On this episode of the Sports Social, we have updates on the NHL and NBA playoffs. Jokic winning the NBA MVP and then getting ejected right after. We discuss the unfortunate story of Christian Eriksen at the Euros, some college football playoff news, Djokovic wins the French Open, and drama in the NFL, plus our first ever top five. All that coming at you, so stay tuned. All right, let's get it. Listening to the Sports Social Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Hunterkamp and Chris Arnold. Welcome into the third episode of the Sports Social Podcast. As you heard Chris Arnold say, a jam-packed show for you here this evening. It seems like there's something new or to be continued again with the NHL and NBA playoffs still in full swing. Uh, plenty of Drama in the NFL, Djokovic, Joker getting MVP, getting kicked out of uh, last night's game. Plenty to talk about. But first, how are you doing this evening, Chris? A little sunburnt from the weekend. Still recovering from our wonderful float trip that me and some of the guys went on. But I'm doing good. Andrew Savage, stuff. I, I thought about frying some eggs on my uh, shoulders uh, <laughs> yesterday, yesterday, but I... I stayed away from it. I'm I'm a little burnt myself. Oh, the sun beat us up this weekend. <laughs> enjoyed some time at the pool and uh, looking forward to another uh, great podcast here this evening. Sir. What, what, what do you say? We uh, we give a quick little uh, NHL and uh, NBA playoff update. How's yeah. that sound? Let's start off with the uh, NHL. Yeah, we're, we're moving on to the uh, Stanley Cup semifinals, as they're calling it this year, with the realignment of the divisions, they're calling it the semifinals. So we've got four teams left. Uh, Vegas and Montreal are playing right now. Vegas is currently up one nothing after the first period, and uh, the Islanders and Lightning uh, played yesterday afternoon with the Islanders taking game one on the road in Tampa Bay. Uh, do you have any uh, general thoughts uh, on the uh, games or action so far before we kind of jump jump in a little deeper? Uh, first off, let's go Islanders, baby. Love a good underdog story. Didn't That's come right. Out of nowhere. Fantastic. Just like the Blues when we won our Stanley Cup a couple years ago. Uh, I cannot believe Avalanche actually lost. Props to Vegas because they, I mean, they handled them pretty well. <laughs> they won their last four games, didn't they? When they, they were down 0-2 yeah. and they won four. Our guy, Petrangelo, scoring the game-winning goal in game six was a beauty. I'd love to see that for a guy. That, that's one but, of the points that I wanted to make when we talk about the Vegas and – if we talk about the Vegas and Montreal series is you've got two of the hottest teams uh, just overall. I know there's only four left, but Vegas has won four in a row and Montreal's won seven in a row. So uh, yeah. somebody's, somebody's going to have their uh, streak snapped. Uh you know, in this series, and uh, but I'm sure it'll be a good one. Uh, going back to yesterday, kind of the things that I uh, saw, uh, it was a 2-1 victory for the Islanders in uh, in Tampa Bay. There was a, a line brawl just to uh, start the game. I, I did not see it. Uh, I there, did was, not there was uh, penalties, unsportsmanlike penalties given out eight seconds into the game. 
Yeah, so I think it'll be a, a physical series. Uh, obviously, Tampa Bay is trying to get back to the Stanley Cup Finals where they were there last year, obviously won it. And uh, the Islanders haven't been to the Stanley Cup Finals since 1984. So wow, um, that that'll be interesting, yeah. And a lot of people say, you know, the Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy to win. And uh, But actually, it hasn't been too long. Uh, since we've had a team go back-to-back champion, the 2016-17 Pittsburgh Penguins did it. And before yeah. that, it was the uh, 1997-98 Detroit Red Wings. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, kind of this, some of the notes that I, I, I made or just observed while watching the game, was even the Islanders really remind me of the Blues of 2019. They mm-hmm. gritty. They run four four lines. They just kind of wear you down and – and hang in there and uh, they ended up picking up a 2-1 victory and so we'll see what happens there an interesting fact as well uh the islanders have opened every series on the road in the playoffs and uh, uh currently hold a five and two record on the road uh, so we'll see where that series goes but uh, as you said it's kind of a kind of an underdog they, they've been a, a solid team for for a little bit now but obviously tampa yeah, the, the, the Islanders are just one of those teams that just kind of fly under the radar. Honestly, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know anything about them. Yeah, coming into the playoffs, I didn't give up with them at all during the regular season. They just kind of came up out of nowhere. And I mean, anybody who can beat the Bruins is a bright side in my book because I cannot stand the Bruins. Yeah, is that always nice to see Brad Marchand cry? Shout out, Mateo. Yeah, how he's feeling? Uh I'm sure he's, he's, he's moving on to the Patriots. He's, uh, he's, <laughs> he's looking forward to a uh, Patriots mini mini camp. Um, oh, RIP to him, man. His teams are not looking good. Not lately. doing too well. The Celtics are kind of in a little turmoil. We kind of touched on that, uh, with, da- with Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens, but yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, hope I, I would say the best matchup would be probably be Vegas and Tampa Bay. Just, yeah, just, just from be. a, just from an offensive, just from a fan perspective. But as you mentioned, you know, it, it would be cool to see an Islanders team get back to the Stanley Cup Finals for yeah. the first time since see two See two four seeds go against each other with yeah, the yeah. Canadians. That'd be nice. And how about how about uh, how about Montreal win seven in a row? They were down three one in the opening series. Won four straight against Winnipeg. Um, they, I saw this the other the other day. They hold the uh, longest. A streak for not trailing in a game in a game in a playoff is like over 473 minutes. They went without trailing. Wow, that is obviously incredible. they're down. They're down. They're down one nothing right now. Uh, Vegas uh, has become a mainstay in the uh, deep run in the playoffs since becoming a franchise. They've uh, made the uh, semifinals three out of the four years. Is since being a, a franchise. Uh, so we'll see if they can uh, get back to the Stanley Cup finals. Do you have any sort of prediction, any sort of thoughts? Who was who your original? Do you remember who your original prediction was when we did the first podcast? Yeah, it was Avalanche and Lightning. Yeah. I, said, I think I said Avalanche winning in six, I believe. But yeah, I had Avalanche and Lightning in the finals. In the Stanley Cup Finals and Avalanche taking it, but yeah, <laughs> I can still get one of my teams in there. That's but right. That's right. Avalanche yeah. let me down. Yeah. If if I had to have either Canadians or Vegas get out, 
I'd like to see the story of the Canadians, but I'm impartial because of being a Blues fan and an ex-Blues star and Captain Petrangelo being on Vegas. Right. I'd like to see him get back and get back to the glory. And then, like I said, I'm a bandwagon fan of the Islanders now. I, I wonder if we could... Of, I, I, I wonder if uh, we could have any luck of finding one person who said who at the beginning of the year said oh it's going to be uh, the islanders and canadians in the uh, <laughs> stanley cup finals could, could, is there one person out there i would maybe a mentally ill person i would bet no i would bet no <laughs> but, have, you, I mean, have, you, have you watched any of the uh, the uh, barstool sports live live shows with uh, oh that's a that's a blast isn't it borelli oh the, man they, i mean they have a blast and that guy says, is a psychopath. Oh my they, god! They they love going into uh, enemy territory, and they love. Uh, oh my god! When he got he got up into that Boston bar, stood up, is flipping yeah. everybody off, telling him to suck his dick. Oh my god! How did he not just get killed right there in the spot? Absolute. He has some balls of steel. Get up does. there and do that. I've done some stupid shit like wear a red jersey to a Cardinals game or yeah. something like that, but I'm not getting up and screaming in their faces. No like way. That. No way. I mean, come on, especially in Boston. You are insane. Yeah. Come on. But in a, in a bar, so they're all drunk. As, as you I said, mean, he, he he has some balls of steel to get up there and do that. It was electric to watch that. It, it was. was fantastic. It was. Yeah. So as so we'll see, uh, you'll see it's the uh, NHL playoffs are, are very long. They're a long process, yeah. but they're, uh, they're winding down. So uh, is there anything else that you want to add? I, or should we move to the uh, hardwood in, uh, in NBA? I think we should go on ahead and move to hardwood because there is a hell of a game going on right now. Yeah, yeah. In the uh, 76ers and the Hawks, 16 seconds left. The Hawks are up 101 to 100. 16 seconds left on the fourth. You know, and and when I when I was doing you know getting ready for the podcast tonight, I under my seventy uh, sixers Hawks bullet points, I, I wrote over. I, I wrote it's over. <laughs> I I wrote Philly Philly's gonna take it. You know, I, I Joel Embiid has played like an MVP. We're gonna get into the MVP discussion with uh, Nicole Jokic later. Uh, Joel Embiid's play like an MVP. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a close close game night. I know uh, Trey Young has not shot the ball very well. He's eight for twenty six from the field right now. He's got 20, 23 points, but he has eighteen assists. So he's getting his teammates yeah. involved, and uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's uh, it's coming down the wire. Seven point eight seconds left. Uh, but yeah, as, as I said, I, I wrote on my notes. I just said I just said over, but. Uh, obviously, a win going back two two could be a difference maker. I think um, the Hawks still got some fire left in them. Yeah, uh, they're they're a solid team. I, I mean, obviously, you got Trey Young as the headliner, but they've got uh, solid role players and and solid depth. Um, yeah, but but Bogdanovich I, being a absolute fantastic scorer. You got mm-hmm. Porter on the perimeter shooting threes. I think he's he's only two for five tonight, but usually he's pretty hot from back there. Capella's he's not the star-studded center that most teams like to have, but, I mean, he's a solid center. Their bench, I mean, they're, they're you could do better on the bench, but, I mean, Gallinari's usually pretty solid tonight. He's not having too much, too very good of a game, but 
considering they don't have the star power of the 76ers and they're able to still stand toe to toe and get their punches in, I think, I mean, it's, I mean, it'll be a good series. I don't, yeah, I don't think I'm, it's over, like you say, but uh, it's definitely going to be 76ers winning. You think I'm jumping the gun there? Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll go farther. I don't think it's over. Uh, the 76ers are going to take it. Yeah, because I mean, they just you the Atlanta just can't keep up with the star power that Philly has and the defensive power that the 76ers have, led by Ben Simmons, who was a who just made the uh, All NBA defensive team. But yeah, I mean, I think it'll go. It's not going to go to seven. I, I think they'll end it in six, but yeah. I don't think it's over, like you were saying. No, I, I when the Hawks made all these additions. In the offseason, you know, they they got Bogdanovich who uh, signed with Milwaukee, but that fell through. And, and then they got Capella, as you were saying. They got him last year, but he didn't play uh, much last year. A lot of people picked him, you know, to be much improved, especially in the East. Uh, I would say a little bit of an easier conference in the West. Yeah. Uh, might be a little bit different this year with Brooklyn and Milwaukee and, and – uh, uh, who, who I'm drawing a play. Who was the one seed in the, in the, Oh, Philly, Philly, of course, yeah, Philly. Playing, <laughs> playing each other right now. Duh. Uh, so, I mean, it, it was a strong, strong conference, but yeah, they, I mean, a lot of people picked uh, the Hawks to, to make a run and here they are. And as you said, uh, you know, if they win this game, anything can happen two two. And we're, we're seeing that in the other uh, Eastern conference series with uh, Brooklyn and Milwaukee as well, all of a sudden uh, back two two. Again, originally after the first two games for my bullet points, I could have just said over. I, I thought I thought that series was over. Injuries, the, injuries, injuries. I mean, when you Story lose that team, when you lose Harden and, and Irving, obviously that does not help. They're both out for tomorrow's game as well. Yeah, um, that's, that's all. That's the story of their careers. Honestly, Harden and Irving are both. Yeah injury prone players when they're, I mean, when they're all there and they're all healthy, they're unbeatable, but. And Durant too. I mean, Durant had Achilles and all these injuries, you know, in his final years or year at Golden State and, and uh, got hurt in the finals and, and made his way back this year. And as I said, in the opening podcast, I think the big three only played like eight games together this season. And Mm -hmm. they were finally healthy in the first round. You were able to see, you know, the offensive star power that they had, but. Uh, when when you just have that many injuries, it's hard to overcome. And, uh, you know, as I said, the series looked over. After the first two games, uh, Milwaukee looked out of it. They looked dead. But Giannis has, uh, has come back and, and uh, be- played like an MVP lately, uh, the last couple of games. Uh, they've held Brooklyn under two points – or under two points, under 100 points, sorry – for the uh, first time in back-to-back games this season uh, as a team. So, yeah, I mean, they almost scored 83. Yeah, 83. Game three, that's unheard of. For them. You know, uh, game game three, I think Giannis and Middleton scored like 68 of the 86 points that Milwaukee had. So, I mean, Milwaukee didn't light, light it up by any means, uh, but they, you know, escaped uh, with the win and, and you know, played uh, – Pretty well uh, yesterday, obviously, like we said, you know, with the injuries, you know, Brooklyn's trying to just patch things together. But now that's a series. I mean, do you think – would you put Milwaukee as the favorite now 
in that with, series? With, with Irving and Harden out, yes, I would put Milwaukee as a favorite because, I mean, Durant can take over a series, don't get me wrong, but right. it's going to be basically him right. v. Giannis. And then you got Harris and, and uh, like on the name Middleton. So, I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's going to be stars versus stars, but yeah. I think it's going to be tough without having that big three there. So, I mean, yeah, and then Milwaukee has the momentum right now. Yeah, yeah, it, it'll go. It'll go. I think it'll go seven. It'll go seven. Harden and Irving. I think Harden supposedly is supposed to be back, not this game, but the next game. I don't, I'm not sure about Irving. I know they said it's a sprain, not a broken bone, for well, example. And, that, and that's the thing, too, is like, you know, these injuries are kind of hard to, you know, bring out the timetables. The hamstring can be a little iffy. Uh, his x-rays on the ankle were negative, so – yeah. You know, hopefully he can only miss one game, but if he comes back, is he 100%? Same with Harden. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a sprained ankle. He'll never be 100% again. Right. Taking over after his friend LeBron James. Right. Yeah. He said <laughs> uh, <it>. Official score, <laughs> 103 to 100. Atlanta wins. Ties the series 2-2. Big win. They were at home, but you feel like if you go down 3-1, going back to Philadelphia, the series is over. Like I, like I had said, uh, so it was a big win for, um, for Atlanta. And, and, you know, as I mentioned, I I wouldn't say Trey Young had an off game, but he just didn't shoot well. He He, did score the, he's two clutch free throws at the very end there to go up from one to one to one or three to kind of seal that game though. So he still has the, at least still has the clutch factor going for him. So we move over to the West. So now I was going to say, so now we've got two, 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 tied series in the east and now we we go to the west one series is over uh one series is sitting at 2-1 i know uh utah and the clippers will play later tonight uh that game four will be in utah with the clippers obviously taking game three actually just Um, started did it Uh, yep okay so we're we're doing well we've got i like the jazz in that series the clippers are fine but i like the jazz We've got updates live on the pod, so that, that's nice. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think the Jazz, uh, like I said. Yeah, come on now. I, the Jazz, top top three in all offensive output, top top four defensive team. Uh, Paul George did come alive in game three. I think he shot like four of 17 in game one and six of 16 in game two. He had 34 points in game three, and uh, Kawhi had 31. And they did a better job on uh, Donovan Mitchell. But overall, the depth, yeah. the question marks for Utah would still be Mike Conley. I'm not sure if he's playing tonight. Uh, but I know he, he's missed uh, the last three games. They're kind of a, a key cog for for them. But, uh, you know, as you said, I, I like Utah in that series. And the, the, Conley is not listed for tonight, so he is not playing. He's out. All right, so we'll we'll see if that affects them for tonight. As I mentioned, he's a, usually a starter, but they, you know, obviously have a pretty deep team. They have the six six man of the year in Jordan Clarkson, and uh, so we'll see how that uh, yeah. series goes. Real quick on that, Suns just steamrolled the Nuggets. I mean, it wasn't even close. The last game four was the closest game, one twenty five to one eighteen, and that was just. That was brutal. And and the Suns the Suns were up, you know, they were up uh, 15 
after uh, Jokic got ejected, they went on a little run, and and Denver had a little fight in them. But uh, it's it's impressive uh, what what Phoenix is doing, and I, I just want to give a quick uh, quick mention of uh, Chris Paul seems to be having a little bit of a second life or third life, fourth life, whatever it is. Yeah, he loved the series. Wherever he goes, he seems to, you know, to turn teams around, whether it be uh, in L.A. He turned around turned around a Pelicans team, uh, you know, that was really struggling before he got there. Uh, Monty Williams was, uh, was his coach uh, in New Orleans, so that's kind of a, a cool thing there. Yeah, um, Every, I think I think everybody thought when he went to Phoenix that he was going to go there and be more of like a uh, kind of like a leadership role to help get Devin Booker rolling Booker, in his yeah. career and then just get that team up. And then he shows up and I mean, like I said, he's, he led the series with 25 points per game and he's he's back to his prime when he was back with the Clippers and he's 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 rolling. He's yeah, leading I mean, the Suns, and they are rolling. <laughs> the the thirty seven points that he scored in Game Four was the most he had in a game in three years. Uh, so he, wow. he, he uh, I know that he has been a mid range assassin. He gets to his spots and he gets his team involved, and and that's another thing we kind of touched on it in another podcast. I asked, you know, is is Devin Booker a top ten player in the league right now? I think he he is if not he's super close uh but people are starting to get to see him on a, on a national stage as mm-hmm. the uh Suns uh made the uh, Western Conference Finals for the first time since 2010 yeah when, and uh, uh, you said everybody's being finally being able to see how good Devin Booker is DeAndre Ayton has been playing yeah. incredibly Mikhail- well and now he's finally on big stage his his defense has been phenomenal Mikhail Bridges he, too yeah I, I mean yeah and that's that's another mention of, of Chris Paul. I think he he just he complements their young core really well. Him and Jay Crowder. I think Jay Crowder is <laughs> yeah. super underrated. You know, got got a, a technical got ejected in that uh, game six against the Lakers for for you know dancing in front of LeBron or or you know or whatever he did. And, he is uh, a character. Yeah. He is. I cannot he, believe he's still in the league either. You know, he's he's thirty years old. Wow, he is so old. He went to. Uh, he did he go to Marquette? He went to Marquette. Yes, right? yes. Jerry Crowder was a Marquette guy. Yeah. Speaking of, wow, uh, Chris Paul's thirty six. Yeah, he he is old. Yeah, Wake Forest guy as well. Speaking speaking of of uh, technicals and and getting under skin, you know, the skin of players. What were your thoughts on the uh, flagrant two ejection of a uh, that sh- that was that was t- I, that should not have been an ejection. It should have been a, yes, it was a flagrant. It was a flagrant foul. I mean, he yacked the hell out of the guy, but flagrant one. Yeah, it should it should have been flagrant one. It definitely should not have been an ejection. I mean, who was it that he hit? I can't, I can't remember who he hit. Cameron Whatever he Payne. Did. Cameron yeah, Payne. He played he played it off very well. I mean, he that, that was definitely a flop. He did not get yeah. hit. Yeah. Oh hard. yeah. He's laying on the floor, getting treated by the staff. Get up, you! I hate yeah. that bum. Get up, scrape it off. You're all right. Play the damn game. Don't sit there and wallow on the floor. That was that. I mean, that should have been flagrant one. Yes, should not have been an ejection. That was ridiculous. I mean, he knows he's gonna lose. The series is over. He's out there playing his heart out. He's frustrated. Obviously, he's gonna be making bad decisions when he's out there frustrated. But it definitely should not have been an ejection. That was a bad look. 
what, what I think got him. Yeah, I completely agree, especially in a playoff game. I mean, for crying out loud. Yeah. Uh, but what I think got him was the, was the windup, you know, he, he, his right arm when he went to, he got, he got all ball pretty much. I mean, he did scrape the nose and like you said, he, he Cameron Payne sold it, sold it really well, but in a playoff game, elimination game, uh, nonetheless, I, I think, uh, I think that was kind of harsh. And I, I was, you know, looking at some of some of the tweets, you know, uh, Terrence Ross, who plays for the magic said, uh, Jokic did the same thing to him earlier this year, pretty much slapped the black right off of him. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and so, yeah, I think, I think it was a bit harsh. Uh, I think, it, but you know, did I, did they have a chance to win the series? Probably not, but definitely. No. You know. the, he knew the series. Everybody, he knew it. Everybody knew it. The series is over. He was frustrated. He was probably tired, exhausted. And that's why he just kind of flung his arms around like I, that. I agree. I think that's kind of why he didn't really give a shit. Yeah. Know? And the rest <laughs> got to know that that's going to happen. I mean, it's a physical series. Yeah. When you're upset, you're going to be playing kind of dirty like that. Just give him the flagrant one. Yeah. Don't eject him. Let him finish out the game. I mean, it's it's a bad look for the refs right now because that's – I mean, they're under fire. Some people are supporting them. Most people are not. I am one of those ones that's not because let them play. It's a physical – it's supposed to be a physical game. It's not supposed to be four-year-olds out there playing. I mean, it's, it's NBA bat, professional basketball. Right. It's, it's, it's a bad look when they're flopping and getting flinger at ones for just slapping a guy's arms when they're just playing tough. Let them play. Let them be tough. I mean – don't, don't take away from the game. You're making it less exciting if you're getting fouls and ejected every two seconds like that. It's, I'm not a fan of that. But, yeah. But on the brighter side for Jokic, the NV, NBA MVP. What yeah. A, what a season he had. He, he definitely deserves it. Uh, Joel Embiid finished his runner-up. But you look at his stats played in every game, 26.4 points. 10.8 rebounds, 8.3 assists, shot 56% uh, from the field, 38 from three, and 86% from the line. So in my – looking at those stats, my definition of, of his type of play would be a stat sheet stuffer. And that's, yeah. that's, that's what he does. He, he – and you saw, you know, that they – the way uh, Phoenix – defended him they they did really well uh, obviously kind of kind of took him out of the game really and he he's kind of one of those guys that he can all he can score the ball but he can also get his teammates involved obviously with the 8.3 assists uh he can step away from the basket he can also uh you know be a, a big body down low but uh yeah i think um it, it, it was definitely deserved uh I thought at one point Joel Embiid was a front runner, and then he, he kind of tailed off, got hurt a little bit, uh, and and Jokic, uh, especially when Jamal Murray went out, he had to pick yeah. up you know a little bit more of the load, and and uh, definitely definitely did that. So you know it was well deserved. Uh, yeah, and a, a fun stat to think about with that. I think we're getting back to the era of the center. We kind of veered away from the era of the having a fantastic center for a while there. Jokic is actually the last, the first center to win in 20 years. Last Simpson. one to do it was Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal right? yeah. yep, in the 1999-2000 season. He's 
the last one. So 20 years of non-centers winning. And we're finally getting back to, I mean, the number one and number two guys in the MVP race this year, both being centers. Yeah. So I think that's telling that we might be getting into a kind of a change going back to the time of old where the center was the, the best player on the floor for most of the years in the older like 60s and 70s. But, but you also look at, at those two guys and you also say that they can easily step out and, and hit the three. I think that's also yeah. where, the game, where the game's changing. It's not so much back to the basket, the uh center, like kind of like Shaq was, or not kind of like Shaq, what Shaq was. I mean, pure dominant force backing into the basket. They can also uh, step out and stretch the floor. And I, I think mm-hmm. – um, you know, as we mentioned, he, he definitely uh, deserved it. Uh, when when Jamal Murray went out, they actually improved their seating. Their record was uh, 13 and five. And, and it, it just wasn't when Murray went out. You know, they're obviously a, a dynamic duo and, and he had a, a solid season. So, uh, and, and it, that, that was a, a great stat that you pointed out with the first in 20 years. I mean, yeah. that, that's, that's crazy. That's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it used to be, like I said, in the 60s and 70s, it used to be only centers winning. That right. was the, the Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell era. Right. And then it just went to straight, I mean, just non-existent. I mean, there was, yeah, don't get me wrong, there was great centers, but they weren't winning MVPs. It was all made, made mo- mostly small forwards and I mean, a few point guards sprinkled in there with Steph Curry and Derek Rose winning a couple, but it was mostly the small forward, small forward, power forward position that was kind of dominating the NBA for a while. And I think we're getting to a shift now with some absolute studs coming in at the center position, leading the way by Jokic and Embiid. I think those are, they're both young. They got some long storied careers ahead of them. I think that's going to be a battle for a while now. I believe it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, Jokic only twenty five. I could easily see him winning another one. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, mean, yeah, two or two or three of them. I mean, yeah, I mean, it helped know. him that Murray was out. It helped him kind of take over that star role on the Nuggets. So when Murray's back, I think it might be a little harder for him to yeah kind of lead the way in the MVP race. But I think he he definitely has some more in him. So to pivot. We need to move on to a uh, mm-hmm. more more somber story. Yeah, this, this the, is the Euros, the Dutch player Christian Eriksen, who in the middle of a game, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, I can't remember who they were playing against, but just randomly collapsed on the field and actually stopped breathing. They had to be resuscitated and used the shockers on him. It, it was tough to see. I wasn't watching it live, but – I mean, all, it was all over Twitter, all over everywhere. As soon as it happened, you could see everything going on. And it was, it was hard to watch. It's hard to see. Yeah, I, I, uh, it, they were playing Finland. And, uh, and I had that game on, and I, I flipped it to something else. And then I, I was going through Twitter, and, and I, I saw, you know, something to the degree of, you know, that, that's probably one of the hardest things that I ever, you know, saw uh, during a live sporting event during a yeah. soccer game. So I, so I flipped it back and, and they, when I flipped it back, you know, they had the seal formed around them and, and we're kind of going to get into, you know, just how the camera cameras were operated and, and, and the whole yeah. production of it. Uh, I, lo- I love sh- to see what his teammates are doing, how they formed the circle around him and 
Oh yeah. yeah. Kind of we're, we're blocking him off from everybody. Cause you know, that's not something that needs to be broadcast everywhere. When something that serious. Definitely not. They're, they, they're linked, linked arms standing together and then blocking all the staffs to make it more private. And yeah, I, like, yeah. I like to, I like to stand in and correct myself. I said, he's a Dutch player. He's not Dutch. He was Danish. I always get those two mixed up. I need to correct that before I get put under fire for that. But like you mentioned, the uh, the camera crews, ESPN and uh, UEFA are both kind of coming under fire right now because of how the camera crew went about what they were showing. They were zooming in on the players that were, I mean, obviously mostly distraught. Their captain just collapsed and stopped breathing on the field. They were zooming in on that. They're trying to zoom in on the cracks between the players to get a view on Erickson, which was disgusting. I hated that. And then at one point they actually found Erickson's wife in the stands and zoomed in onto her, who, I mean, the poor girl just watched her husband collapse on the field and is getting news that he stopped breathing. She can see that they're resuscitating him. Why would you zoom in on that? That's just, yeah, that is just- disgusting. It's, it's just a bit much all around, obviously, you know, yeah. uh, his wife came onto the pitch and, and was consoled by the players and, and it, it, kudos to them. I mean, you never want to see a situation like this. I, I was able to, to see the video of him uh, going down and, and it's certainly a scary thing. As you mentioned, they had to ring the paddles out and uh, they formed a circle around him, which is great. But yeah, the, and as you mentioned, the camera crew was trying to zoom in through the cracks, through the towels of the, of the circle and just trying to find them. And I, I thought, you know, th- they have obviously, you know, studios where they do pregame, postgame and halftime. They could have easily sent, sent it back to the, stu- to the studio and said, you know, we'll, we'll give you an update. You know, we'll give you an update when we have one. Because obviously everybody – in the stadium, everybody who was watching the game, everybody who, who just follows sports or anything, really, you know, it was a, a national thing, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, they could have just said, you know, we'll, we'll pass along an update. Obviously, everybody was looking for one, and it's good to hear now that he seems to be doing better. Uh, but they did say, you know, he he was gone. Like, he was gone. They, yeah, you know, they had he to, was. They, uh, I read today that they finally came out and said that it was cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. And his heart stopped. Yeah. That's why they had to bring pals out and resuscitate him and bring him back. Uh, but, they, but they, I also read that he – so the so Europa was – they gave them an ultimatum where they either had to come back and play it that night or the next day or they would have to forfeit a 3-0 deficit. And I saw they came out. Uh, Erickson actually sent a video to his teammates saying, get out there and go win that game, which, yeah. I mean, that is an all-time – moved by him to let his teammates know that he's okay, that they need to get out there and win this game for him. And I mean, if I, if I had a teammate, my captain say that to me, my ass would be playing ungodly out out on that field. I would be just giving 120% out there for him to win that game for him. So, I mean, that's a great move by him to get his team going and get out there and win that game. I'm not sure if they have, decided what to do i haven't seen anything about that but and it's a tough scene i mean i'm everybody i'm really glad he's okay obviously he's well wishes he has already addressed he's come out and released a statement saying he's okay he's doing well i mean it's it's tough to see but i'm glad that everything ended up good 
yeah, it, it, and it certainly makes it a little easier to talk about now. Uh, yeah. But you know, just just being on, on that fact, it, it's just it, I just can't get over how they how they weren't told to to send that to the studio or yeah. And I mean, I understand the, the camera guys; they're just doing their job. I mean, their their job is to capture what's going on in the field, but. There's a there's a line that needs to be drawn between doing your job and just having human decency to not not get recording stuff like that. And like you said, yeah, they should have sent that back to the studio. That was that's on ESPN and uh, UEFA for not taking the initiative and doing that. But yeah, it was. I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough scenes. I think I think there's going to be something come down against them for doing oh, that. Oh, for sure, and there definitely should be. Yeah, oh, 100% there should be if it's I mean, whether it's from the players, from the the, the country, whether it's from it's, it's gotta be from something. They have to have. I mean, that's never tried to zoom. I mean, trying to zoom into the cracks. That's uncalled for. And, and uh, as I mentioned, you know, he he's a Danish player, and that game was actually in Denmark. Uh, so you know, you could see, you know, that I mean. Really, you know what? What can a camera crew do? You know, the the best thing to do was, was to send it to the studio, as we mentioned. Yeah. You, could, you know, you could see the emotions on everybody's face. You know, everybody was impacted. You know, the uh, Finland fans, uh, Denmark fans, everybody. And I think it it, it just you know you don't, don't want to see it. And and luckily, you know, you, you don't see it very often. And also kudos to the, uh, to the medical team, to the referee, to the team, the, the referee got everybody out there super quick and, and uh, very responsive. He, he was actually alert awake in the hospital alert wake for, before he left the field. And, uh, but you know, it, it's just kind of disappointing, you know, because, you know, as we keep touching on it, you know, they, they seem to try to find every, every little detail, you know, while he was down and it, it just needed to be a private moment you know, and it wasn't, and, you know, it was in a public spotlight on TV and a big tournament. And, uh, but, you know, when it's all said and done, I'm glad that he's okay. And, and every, everything seems to be uh, pointing in the right direction. Yeah. Well, you want to move on to something a little bit brighter now, Andrew? Yeah, let's, let's do that. that I love to see happening. I pray to God it does happen because it'll be, Fantastic for college football, but in the up and coming meeting of the college football playoff uh, committee, they are going to be discussing a possible change to a 12 team playoff bracket, which I think is going to be fantastic if they actually do it. It'll be amazing for the sport. We want a lot more fun to watch, more teams will have the chance to get in there. Like, for instance, the, uh, the UCF team that I mean, basically didn't really stand a chance. I mean, like the uh, Western Michigan of a couple of years ago, where if you're not one of the big power fives, they're really not having a chance of getting in there. Now they have a chance to get in there and make some, make some noise. Obviously there's going to be some blowout games, but I, I, I think it's going to be great for college football if they actually follow through with this and move it to that 12 team playoff. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, just looking at it, uh, I saw an ESPN article. I mentioned, you know, teams like uh, your Cincinnati Bearcats and uh, Sir. San, San Jose State would have been in there. Um, you know, te- teams like that. 
as Chris kind of mentioned, they're they're planning to go or wanting to go, hoping to go. We'll see how it goes from four teams to 12. Uh, the six highest ranked conference champions uh, and then six at large uh, teams as well. The top four teams get a bye. Uh, and I, I just had a, you know, a few thoughts after uh, hearing this as well. Uh, I, I would propose to go from four to eight instead of four to 12. Um, but then yeah, I that, could that'd be more practical. I could also see if you, if you did that, I could also then just see them just say, let's, let's add four more after that. So you might as well, but then it, it feels like, you know, it's supposed to be like a, a hard thing to get into. It's not like a, you get an invite, you get an invite, everybody gets yeah. an invite to the college football playoff. <laughs> but, but, um, but as you mentioned, you know, more teams would get in there, which would definitely, you know, look better than the sport. It seems like every year and we can talk, we're going to be talking about this for like next five, six, seven years. It's going to be Alabama, Ohio State and Clemson are going to be the three. And then the fourth, the fourth team is going to be always in question. Is it going to be Oklahoma, Georgia, um, uh, Notre Dame? Uh, Obviously, uh, Kirby Smart said it it was the uh, single greatest change in college football, obviously, for his team. He doesn't have to worry about missing out now, you know, being at five, six, four, five, six in that last bubble. uh, He's probably always going to sneak in. Uh, it's going to lead for a lot more big stories at the end of the season too, because with only the four teams getting in there, I mean, basically if you lost one game, you're screwed, you're done. Right. Now those end of, end of season games where, I mean, some teams are going to be only have one loss, two losses. Those end of season games between contenders are going to be a lot more serious and a lot more important now. Yeah. I mean, and you make a great point. You're, you're going to be playing meaningful games yeah. no matter where you are on your schedule. Um, one thing I wanted to point out was, you know, mentioning, you know, the fourth team, you know, Notre Dame has been able to sneak in there. They mentioned, you know, the six highest ranked conference champions and then six at large. Well, Notre Dame's not part of a conference. They're, they're an independent team. So that would, you know, they wouldn't have a chance to get that first round by. So does this prompt them to, want to join a conference. I know this past year they, uh, they were part of the ACC uh, with Clemson and, uh, and all those other teams part of that conference. But it's just kind of an interesting thought. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I think they will finally join a conference. I think they'll stick with the ACC. I didn't see them having any issues with that conference last year. I think they enjoyed themselves. They didn't have any big fights or anything with anybody the teams. Yeah. I think it's great for the conference to finally give Clemson a ringer to try to go against because, I mean, the ACC didn't really have anybody that was putting up a fight against Clemson. So yeah. I think it's going to be good for the team to finally have a place in the conference. It's going to be good for the conference itself to have more competition in there, and that will give Notre Dame the chance to get that first round by. And, and uh, smart for them to do. Notre Dame beat Clemson at Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was, you know, and we had a whole huge debate, you know, COVID was in full swing and all those fans rushed the field. But anyway, that was a different story. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, and also, as I mentioned, you know, teams like Cincinnati and San Jose State, you know, you'd be able to, to see these different teams and, and to get uh, more teams in. But as, you know, 
you get more teams in, you're, you're playing more games. And, and this was an interesting point that was brought up in one of the videos that I saw was, you know, if, if these teams are playing instead of 12, they're playing 15, 16 games, you know, what does that mean for uh, the NLI impact, the national, uh, the name, image, and likeness impact of, of teams of student athletes uh, playing more games? Obviously that is a, a huge uh, discussion going on all over the country right now. And I do think it'll happen soon. And, and maybe it, it happens in line with this change for the college football playoff. Yeah. Obviously it, it won't happen this year or next year. They're hoping uh, probably 2023 at the earliest. And it seems like the NLI uh, legislature could come in effect around 2023. So it couldn't match up very well. Um, but it, that was kind of an interesting thing that I didn't really think of, you know, before hearing about it was just how it would affect these student athletes to play more games and be in the spot. Yeah. And not only more games are going to be having more opportunity to play bigger name teams yeah. in the playoffs. So like, like for Cincinnati or UCF or like so Western Michigan, they don't really get the spotlight. They don't get to play on the ESPN primetime games. If they get into the playoffs and end up playing a Alabama, Ohio State, or a Clemson, it gives that opportunity for those those guys who don't really have a chance to get their name out there and get their likeness up, give them a chance to finally play on the main stage and show what they can do. I, and I don't want to hear anything about UCF uh, not making it because they, they do have a national championship banner up in their that's such horseshit. And they got they got rings and all that for, for uh, that's such horseshit. If I was on that team, I got a damn 20, ring. I would throw that in the trash. Twenty seventeen, right? Uh, I don't, maybe it was either that or eighteen. Either way, yeah, I think I, yeah. think, that was, I think that was a bit much. But anyway, it was horseshit. I can't stand <laughs> that team just because of that. I used to not mind them, but once they did that shit, I cannot stand them now. I hate that. That's so stupid. Anyway, yeah, that's for another another uh, conversation. Yeah, next thing on the agenda here is the uh, French Open. Djokovic wins his nineteenth major title, which actually puts him one behind Nadal and Federer, which is something to to keep an eye on for him to see if he can finally push that and tie up with Nadal and Federer. But yeah, Djokovic- I mean. They're obviously the big three of tennis, and, and yeah. I know uh, uh, Djokovic is is the favorite at Wimbledon, the next major. According, mm-hmm. I think it's according to uh, Caesars or William. Well, you know, one of the sports books had him has him as the favorite. But yeah, as you mentioned, it was his 19th Grand Slam that put him uh, one behind those two, and, and he's uh, pushing he, for the goat status. He he uh, he becomes the uh, second. Uh, player to win all four Grand Slams twice, um, so that so that uh, as an interesting. Uh, That's a cool stat. Yeah, I did yeah. not know that. Uh, so and it was a it was a five set uh, thriller in the uh, final. He actually got down. Uh, he lost the first two sets and uh, battled back um, to uh, end up uh, taking the uh, the title and ended up. Beating Nadal in the semifinal, who Nadal had only lost uh, four sets in the entire tournament. He's known as the king of clay. I mean, he's, yeah, yeah, he very, lost on very, clay. Very successful at the French Open, and and uh, uh, so it's nice to see you know these uh, 
three the three headed monster of men's tennis seems to be get they're, they're getting older, but they're they're not their their level of play is not uh, not dropping by any means. Yeah, I mean the only one that's really kind of falling off right now has been Federer. Mm-hmm. I believe he he didn't even play in the French Open because yeah. of wanting to be mindful of his body and not push the limits. He's the ages are uh, actually just look this up. Uh, Djokovic is thirty four. Nadal 35 and Federer leading the way at 39. So, I mean, he's definitely on his way out. I think Nadal and yeah. Djokovic have a couple more years rivalry going on. But yeah, I think mean, Djokovic is really pushing for that GOAT status now. And if he wins at Wimbledon, that'll tie him up with uh, 20 apiece for all three of them. And that'll actually bring it back to the uh, US for the next major. So if he wins Wimbledon and comes here, he'll have a chance to push past it all in Federer in the U.S., which I think will be an electric scene. Yeah. To be able to go to. Yeah, my my, uh, my parents get mad at me every time I say this, but you know, every time I say uh, a 34, 35, 39 year old is is getting up there in age, they always get on <laughs> me. But in terms of uh, in terms of sports, playing years, sports, yeah, yeah, that's old. <laughs> that is old. So I mean, hell, I'm, I'm only 23, and I got it out there and try to play some sports, and I'm saying, oh, my gosh, my back, my knees. You know, to get that out there 40 and still do it at a professional level, that's impressive. I, I think the, the coolest story, uh, obviously him winning was, was neat, you know, but the coolest story that kind of was all over social media was him him giving his racket to that young fan and, and it, what a, what a thrill that was for that young fan. And, yeah, he's great with fans. He, he used to be as him all the time. Uh, just throwing balls back and forth, giving them rackets, shoes, everything. He's great with fans. Yeah, he mentioned that that fan was obviously, you know, one of his biggest supporters, you know, through the match and then through the tournament. So uh, it was cool to see uh, him give that racket to him. And, you know, if that thing doesn't end up on eBay here in like 15 years, uh, that'll be a, a memory that he can – If he's a true fan of tennis and a true fan of Djokovic, that thing will never be sold. No. Ever. Yeah. If you get something like that, that is something that you will keep on your mantle or in a frame forever. It's just the story behind it, the incredible way to tell people for years to come. I and mean, if he does end up on eBay, that's going to be pretty pathetic. But yeah, that's another story. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to something else. Some NFL talk with some drama going on around that atmosphere. First off, with uh, Le'Veon Bell being a absolute idiot like he always is yeah i feel like i feel like in this podcast we've been able to cover uh cover pretty much every base along the uh the sports atmosphere what's going on but uh yeah, yeah. it's there's been a lot going on definitely and you know with with many camps uh you know fully underway we're going to get into aaron Rodgers while we're under the uh, nfl umbrella as well but yeah what what uh Le'Veon bell said was kind of interesting he said that he didn't regret what he said but he didn't want it to you know be like that and i an i don't i don't i don't for for what you for people that didn't hear what he said you know he said that he'd rather retire uh, than play for andy Reid again yeah which it makes absolutely no sense because i mean andy Reid is one of the most lovable he coaches is. in the nfl and, and i and i saw many players you know say the exact opposite of that i, I saw many players say i i'd come out of retirement for Andy Reid 
Mm-hmm. You know, just looking at videos and looking at what players say about him, he seems like a big, you know, teddy bear. Obviously, loves yeah. Let's just make. I don't, know what, I don't know what Le'Veon Bell could have against Andy Reid. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I, I, and Le'Veon I, Bell, personally, I think Le'Veon Bell's bomb. I mean, that might but, be a little biased because he was a longtime Pittsburgh Steeler, who I cannot stand any Pittsburgh Steelers player, but I just think he's a bum. And, and what a on him! What a weird career trajectory. Yeah. He oh, goes yeah. from an all-pro player to on the Steelers, holds out for more money, goes to the Jets, wants out. They can't find a trade partner. The Chiefs pick him up. He pretty much gets a – he was all right. Didn't, didn't really get a whole lot of opportunity. Gets a – I wouldn't say a free ride because he worked for it. Gets a, goes to a Super Bowl, didn't win, but goes to a Super Bowl. And then comes out and he says he doesn't want to play. He'd rather retire than play for Andy Reid. I mean, it's, he's a bum. It, seems, seems, it seems a little weird to me. It's the curse of getting paid for running backs. When running backs get paid, their yeah. careers start going downhill Go most of the time. 100%. I mean, and that's what happened, especially when you hold out like that, trying to get more money. I mean, this is a whole year of not competing you know, at the high and, levels, and that's screwed him. And, and, you know, maybe not necessarily for him, you know, but he, he – it ended up costing him a, a good chunk of money, as well, you know, yeah. holding out and all that. And it just, it just seemed like you know, ever since that happened, it, he just kind of got a, a stain on, on a really solid career. He was a stud with the Steelers, a great, you know, we we always like to mention, you know, fantasy fat. He was a hell of a PBR back. He was. Yeah, yeah, he was. And, I remember when he was in his prime in Pittsburgh, our buddy Ryan Harper had him and would never shut up about how ungodly Le'Veon Bell was doing for him. I couldn't that made me hate him even more. Yeah, now you now you can't say that. I mean, this guy just completely went down here. Yeah, like he's, he's currently he's currently a free agent and not even on a team right now. You, you see the you see the dollar signs and, and everything starts to go down now. But yeah, it was just kind of like a and it felt like kind of random too. Like it was like an inner wasn't on uh, Instagram. It was like on Instagram. It was like yeah, an interaction, was co- like in a comment section or something. Like, what? What the hell? Like, I got. I don't. I don't understand. But anyway. Again, he's a bum. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Now, now he and and that's the thing is like he's gonna be known for all the instead of all the great things he did on the field, he's gonna be known for all this crap. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's um it, it's really is a shame. But you know, he did it to himself. And like you say, he's he's becoming a bum now if he's not already there. So. Yeah. Quick, quickly to uh, to wrap up the NFL talk, we we've got another. Uh, we move from Le'Veon Bell to uh, to Aaron Rodgers, which is a whole another interesting uh, situation scenario in itself. Uh, the uh, was it the, gen- the general manager or the CEO? President. The president called him a complicated fella, <laughs> and uh, and said that he, he was dividing the fan base instead of you know instead of bringing them all together. Yeah, which is basically what he's doing. <laughs> he's screwing his team over. And, and, and this is the a, first time in his career that he has not reported for a mandatory minicamp. He's on vacation right now. And, and, yeah, he, and you see all those Instagram posts, you know, yeah. and him just uh, living it up. And and I, I guess, like, I, I, obviously we don't know the situation. And I wouldn't say it's completely uncommon for people to not report for mandatory minicamp. And maybe that's like an NFL culture thing. I know. Stefan Gilmore didn't report, you know, he was due his big bonus and all this, and he didn't, he obviously didn't get it. And 
and whatnot. And it'll be, do you, do you think he's traded? I mean, before. I, I, I don't, he's not. The, the trade it's, it's buzz tough. is kind of. The trade buzz is kind of quieted down on him. Yeah, I don't think he's going to play, and I think he's done in Green Bay, but I'm not entirely positive that they're going to trade him. They might just not do anything, which I think he'll end up just retiring if they don't because, I mean, he's, he's let it be known that he is done with Green Bay. He has no desire to play there anymore. It's, it's, it's a tough, tough story because, I mean, he's taken that team to heights – become just a cornerstone player of that team. When you think of the Green Bay Packers, you think Brett Favre and you think Aaron Rodgers. So it's tough to see something like that happen with someone who's been in the organization for so long, but hes I don't think he's going to be there. I know the hot topic right now for him is uh, the Denver Broncos. I think they were the leader when the talks were getting still hot. And they, like you said, they simmered out, but. Yeah. And, and now uh, it was reported that Deshaun Watson might want to go there. So I do think they'll end up yeah. with, with some sort of quarterback. I don't know if it'll be Aaron Rodgers or not. Uh, speaking of, uh, of athletes ages, he is 37. So he is also getting up there. And uh, yeah, which I mean, which makes sense as to why he would just, if he doesn't get getting traded, he would just, you know, call it quits. He's made the money. He's, he's got all the accolades. He's, one when he needed to win, he's had a hell of a career. I don't think he'd have an issue just calling it quits if he doesn't get traded to a team he can be traded to because he is done in Green Bay. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think he he's not a, wasn't as like blunt about it as Julio Jones was, but he's he's trying to like, I guess. I wouldn't say go out in a piece of way because he's still been pretty vocal. And, you know, as the president said, complicated fellow dividing your fans and all this. Uh, so yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens with his, uh, his situation and his scenario. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. If he, if he does stick with the Packers and, and it, like, will it, you know, bring a rift you know, through the organization like during the season. So, it, I mean, it'll be an interesting, uh, interesting uh situation to follow mm-hmm. all right andrew are you ready the first of many yeah let's do it the first of many top five lists from uh the uh, sports social boys the uh first one is top uh five nba jerseys of all time and quickly on that quickly on this uh, we will have a podcast uh next week of the top uh, sports movies of all time. We're actually going to have uh, guests on for the first time uh, next week and do a, a kind of a snake draft, but we'll have more details uh, during the pod- podcast when that comes out uh, next week. So be on the lookout for that, but back to this first ever uh, top five that we're doing here, we decided to do uh, top five sports jerseys of all time. We figured it'd be kind of fitting to do it while the NBA playoffs are going on. So, uh, Chris, how, how do you want – do you want to alternate? And sh- do yeah. you want to do okay. – Alternate, start from the bottom, go to the top. So, okay. start at five and work our way up. All right. I guess so, I'll start – I'll yeah, start yeah, there. And my number five jersey. This one has a uh, special place in my heart because it was actually the very first jersey that I ever had and worn. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was just a nice-looking jersey. This guy was up and coming, and it was in his prime for this time. 
My number five is the blue dazzle Denver Nuggets jerseys that they wore from 2003 to 2008. There were those those baby blue jerseys yeah. with the yellow Denver on them, and they were just they were they were nice looking jerseys. I think they Car- stand Car- out. And and I mean, if you see these jerseys, you think of who else? Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, that was and- that was just his thing that he wore, and then. And yeah, uh, just looks him and Allen Iverson, yeah, they, uh, you're right yeah. though. I mean, they do pop, and they look they look great. Yep. Uh, and then now, like I said, that was the first year that I ever owned as a little kid. I think I was probably like seven years old when I finally when I my parents got it for me because I just I, I liked Carmelo Anthony. I liked the color of the jersey. Blue has always been my favorite color, and that's just a special place in my heart. When mate, when I was making this list, there there were. You know, we did five, but you know, you you could easily. I mean, you could. There's plenty, you know, that that are really cool. You know, so I, I had a difficult time, you know, kind of rounding out my four four five. Uh, this the one that I picked um, is the only uh, current jersey that I have in my top five. It's a current jersey. It's a uh, the Miami Heat. Uh, vice edition uh, black jersey I, I think i think it's speaking of standing out I, it, some people may not like it, it might be too much color and that's kind of why i went with the black instead of uh instead of like the like the rainbow the rainbow whatever it is looks like you're eating cotton candy i, I don't like that one. <laughs> i like the i like the solid black uh, i think it stands out i think it pops yeah uh I think it's a really, really solid jersey. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's the only uh, current jersey that I have on. The rest are, are throwbacks. It's a little sneak peek. Uh, yeah, we, we might hear a little bit more about that jersey coming here soon. Oh. Because <laughs> it is a beautiful jersey. I it is. It. A, it, I and actually, our fraternity, uh, Fight Out the Theta, had a little yeah. twist on it and came out with the Fight Out jerseys in that same yeah. color scheme. And the, one of our the, good friends, Addison Kakuru, brought one, and I was very jealous uh, when he that, finally started wearing that because it is a beauty of a jersey. When he's got that jersey on, you know it's, it's darty season. You're headed, <laughs> you're headed to some freaking base, dark-ass <laughs> yep. basement to, you know, play some beard on. I mean, you know that, that boy is ready to go. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a real cool jersey, and uh, yeah, I mean, I I think it's a fit, fitting one to put at five for my list. Mm-hmm. Coming in at number four on my list, this one's a little bit different. Okay, I don't think you're gonna know it. I don't think many people are gonna know it. So, but it's something that I got to see growing up because this team was in my city for a brief brief time. I was not alive, but I've seen the. The stories of it and it is the cincinnati royals home jersey from uh, 1957 to 1972 which is the only time when they actually existed uh the cincinnati royals actually turned into the present day sacramento kings but that's beside the fact uh the jersey was their obviously their home jersey was white had a vertical royals down the side of it between two thick red stripes and then the outline of the jersey was in nice bright blue, so it had a very patriotic red, white, and blue theme to it. I mean, it just looks like a, it's a clean jersey. There's not too much going on. I just they look really nice. And then, like I said, they were the Cincinnati team, and there hasn't been an NBA team in Cincinnati since then. So it's something nice to have in our heritage there. But 
Yeah, it's I mean, a nice looking jersey. Looking at it, it looks it looks super clean. You can you can obviously tell it's the belongs to Cincinnati Royals, and it's cool to uh, you know to to see those uh, throw. When I was kind of looking at at this list, you know, you could obviously throw in like the the staples of of the Lakers and the Celtics. You know, those are those are yeah. pretty iconic jerseys, but iconic but boring personally, right? So you know. Uh, yeah, and I'm a, going, I'm a very patriotic guy. I love yeah. you. I love you. Yeah, I love yeah. the USA. It's a nice, just, nice little Fourth of July. Nice, yeah, Fourth of July uh, jersey. Going on to my uh, number four is the uh, Vancouver Grizzlies throwback. Uh, jer- Vancouver Grizzlies away. Uh, oh yeah. that's the, a beautiful one the nice uh teal teal color there and, and what you can't see i i sent uh chris a picture of the jersey um it's got a nice uh teal color you know big grizzlies and the, they got the actually the grizzly on the shorts you know smothering mm-hmm. a basketball and I, I i think they're they're uh nice clean jerseys uh, uh bright they pop and, uh, but you not not too much going on at the yeah. same time Right. They're different, so, which is what they nice are. About them. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I think that's kind of what warranted for me a spot on the top five list at number four. All right. My number three, we'll be brief about it because you've already talked about it some. My number three is that Miami Heat alternate with the Miami Vice because I love it. I, I was a big fan of the Miami Heat. Uh, like everybody knows, I'm a LeBron James stan. So when he went to the Heat, I – Adopted them as one of my teams. And I've just always kind of followed them ever since because I like their team. And that jersey, when they came out with that in 2018, oh, my God, my jaw dropped. They're yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it was, They're a mean-looking jersey because they're all black, and then they just have that, that bright kind of like, – kind of, it's kind of like a mixture between a teal and a, like a baby blue and then the pink. I mean, they they're just look fantastic. And you got to get the whole – you got to get the whole thing, too, with looking at the – the layout of the court as well, you know, with while they're wearing it, you know, they mm-hmm. uh, obviously change the whole court layout and it's just, it's a real cool look on TV. And I can't, you know, I can't imagine seeing it live, you know, they, they look really sharp. And, and I, I think that's, you know, that's why I put them on my, uh, my top five blitz as well. So, yeah. And I had them ranked a little bit higher than you did. You did. You did. I just, that's because I like Miami and I just like those jerseys. They're yeah. nice. For me, number right. three, Number three is the uh, Utah Jazz Mountain p- Purple Mountain jersey. That's number three. I, I just I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like the col- the color. I don't know if I'm a guy that just likes color. I guess maybe not because they had the, the black as well. But I, I feel like it, it's also an it's an iconic jersey, right? You know, Carl uh, Malone and John Stockton. You know, those are the two players that you kind of think of when you think of that jersey maybe uh a few other players as well but uh it's just something that kind of stands out about a jazz franchise that um has definitely made waves in the nba lately and and seem to be uh you know contenders for years to come but you know those jerseys i i really uh i like the uh the overall layout the overall feel of the jersey so I, I think that's why I put them at number three. I like it. I like the pick. My number two, 
is the Cleveland Cavaliers, baby. My team. This jersey they wore from 2015 to 2017. They were the stretch alternate jerseys. And I am actually currently wearing that mm-hmm. jersey because it is my favorite Cavaliers jersey of all time. I'm wearing my guy Kevin Love. Kevin Love. Okay. Yes, sir, you know it. They are the uh, the wine red with the gold accent and the the old fashioned mm-hmm. Cavs logo on the front. Uh, they actually used this this logo in the '80s, so it's the old fashioned kind of like bubble letters, and then the the V for the Cavs has a basketball hoop with a ball going into it. Uh, I just think I, I love the like the old fashioned classic look to it. It's clean. Uh, the red's a little bit different with the yellow just kind of thrown in there it's i mean it's it's it, it, love it when they every time they played in those it was it just made me happy because i love seeing out there and then when i wanted to get my cavaliers jersey when i was getting more into the nba a couple years back in the like 2014 2015 era i couldn't pick any other jersey for this one because i just i loved it that much and i had to get my guy Love, my favorite nba player of all time but yeah i mean it's like I had to pick a Cavaliers jersey because I'm a huge Cavaliers fan, and that's what I'm going with. It's my favorite one ever. All right, for me, number two is the Charles Barkley era Phoenix Suns black mm. jersey. They wore this from uh, in the 1990s, I believe it was from 1992 to 2000, around that time. It looks like it, you know, it's got the Suns. Uh, kind of slanted across the top with, uh, I don't know, what, what would you call it? A, a sh- some sort of maybe shooting star-ish. Yeah, looks like, uh, like a comet or a shooting yeah, star. Yeah, it looks with, nice. With a, with a basketball in the middle there. Just it's, nice another, and, it's another one of those classic jerseys that you always see people buying. That, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it makes it, for it's sure. a staple. I, and I, I just thought they looked clean. Uh, you know, and as we kind of talked about, we don't, you know, you don't want too much going on on a jersey, uh, you know, but you want it to stand out. And I think, you know, that's definitely an era for the Suns where you're, you know, you know uh, kind of what you were getting into. And I thought, uh, you know, they were a perfect fit at number two. I like it. I like it. All right. On my list, coming in at number one, huh? another one that you stole from me is that purple Utah Jazz away jersey. I love it. I love the color purple. I think this jersey just looks clean with the mountains yeah. on it. It is oh, yeah. beautiful. Uh, the image mean, is class, one of those classic ones that everybody you see everybody have at parties and wearing around. The purple and the blue just fade together perfectly. Uh, they, they wore this jersey from 1996 to 2004, and they still bring them back every once in a while on those throwback days. And, I mean, they're just – there's nothing else to say about them. They're fan. They're the best jersey in the NBA has ever had, in my opinion. Yeah. They look clean. They look nice. They make you pop. Easy on the eyes. Then they just they look cool. They look awesome. That's my number one pick: the Utah Jazz away jerseys, the Purple Mountains. For my number one, now it's thinking about my list. Like I, I don't know if I had like all of a sudden like have a fascination with the color purple, but my number one is uh is the. Toronto Raptors dino jerseys. Uh, They wore from uh, 95 to 99, obviously. Uh, Vince Carter, you think about Vince Carter and uh, Mm -hmm. Trace McGrady. And it's just, it looks nice. It's got the, you know, the the Raptor on it with, uh, 
you know, the basketball and again, nice and clean, but the, the font is a little bit different. It's not, you know, generic font, but you can, you can tell it's part, you know, part of the Raptors franchise. And as you mentioned, you know, uh, the jazz Jersey being one that uh, people have at parties and, and buying around, you see, you see this one all the time. You know, if you have a, us fraternity brothers, everybody, you know, they, they love having a, you know, Jersey theme, you know, whether it be, you know, parties or get togethers or, or just a fun gathering. And you always see this one. And I thought it, it just, it looks, it looks great. It's clean. Yeah. It pops. And uh, it's a very icon. It's a very iconic yeah. Jersey. So that's very, it's a really fun Jersey too. It is. It is. Right, yeah. The Raptor dribbling on it. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's very different. That's not anything you see in. No. Yeah, you're never, you're never right. You're never gonna see something like that again. No, yeah. I mean, the the, the older NBA jerseys are just so much more fun and so much more creative yeah. than they are now. Right. Now they're more focused on looking, you know, modern it's, it's, and sleek, right. and well, and then, I mean, and it's then, just not as fun anymore. And then you got to put you got to put ads on it, and yeah, get all God. that revenue, and to, you know, you got to. And that, I, to me, I I get it. I understand why you, why you, they do something like that, but I think it you know it ruins the look in the integrity of the jersey so i i think it's a perfect way to round out the uh top five yeah. toronto raptors at yeah. number one give, give a little rundown for each of us number five coming in for me is the denver nuggets blue dazzle the baby blue jersey number four was the cincinnati royals home jerseys number three the miami heat miami vice alternates number two the cleveland cavaliers stretch alternates and my number one was the utah jazz purple mountain away jerseys it's interesting, you know, we could have picked obviously any jersey. We 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 only had five, but mm-hmm. we had two. We had two of the same, and yeah. and we we didn't we didn't. I mean, maybe nobody will believe us, but we did not communicate at all before this. No, you know? We had no idea. That's that's why we were singing sending them to each other as we right. were picking, so we wouldn't right. be surprised. And so that's something uh, to say when two of them are on our same right. same exact list. Those are iconic. To uh to go over my list one more time. At number five are the uh, Miami Vice uh, collection jerseys, the Vancouver Grizzlies away coming in at number four, the Utah Jazz uh, Purple Mountain jersey at number three, the uh, Phoenix Suns uh, Barkley era black jersey at number two, and the Toronto Raptors Dino jersey at number one. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was definitely an interesting, uh, interesting uh, segment there. I'm looking forward to – doing more top fives on each pot on podcasts. And as I kind of teased, we'll have a, another uh, top five, a kind of a different style of top five uh, for the next podcast. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely fun. And, and we hope to, um, we hope to go through each sport um, at some point, you know, throughout these podcasts, instead of doing sports as a whole, we want to do, you know, every sport as itself, mm-hmm. because every sport obviously has those unique jerseys. So, and we, like I said, we figured the NBA would be a great place to start with um, the playoffs going on right now. Yep. So and everybody be on, be on the lookout. We're going to make a graphic with each of our picks and put a poll up yeah. on our socials to have everybody vote to see who has the, the better top five, which I mean, if you don't vote for me, that's a little crazy because I'm the Jersey guy here, but just saying debatable debatable i mean i am the one who owns like 20 jerseys so yeah so so as chris said be on the lookout for that uh poll again our social media our twitter is uh at sports social pod capital s capital s and capital p 
you can follow us there for uh, many updates. We're going to post our, our podcast and be posting that poll along with that graphic. And hopefully you guys can vote on that. Who, who had the best uh, list top five first ever top five. So I kind of want to get a leg up on Chris on the first one. So cough, cough. It was me who had the best list. But we're gonna leave, uh, yeah, we'll see about that. Yeah, one. we're gonna leave, we're gonna leave it up to you guys, and hopefully you guys will uh, will hammer that poll, and and we'll see uh, we'll see what the final results are. Right, with that with that, it. yeah, with that being said, uh, is there is there any last uh, second last minute thoughts uh, on the brain before we uh, close this one out? No, I'm I'm all I'm all thought out. All thought thanks, out. Thanks everybody right, for well, thanks everybody me, for listening. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I. I appreciate everybody for listening, and uh, we we hope to keep uh, hammering out content, even even uh, you know if we have plans over the summer, and uh, we hope to you know continue to stay on this weekly schedule. And uh, we appreciate everybody for listening, and uh, thanks for doing with the uh, this with me, Chris. And uh, we'll catch everybody on the next one. We'll see you guys yes, later. Sir. Catch y'all later.